Welcome to MoFo Perspectives, a podcast by Morrison and Forrester, where we share the perspectives of our clients, colleagues, subject matter experts, and lawyers. Welcome to Mo Forecast, a podcast series where experts from Morrison and Forrester make predictions about enforcement and policy trends in the upcoming Biden administration. Today, we'll be discussing cybersecurity and privacy. I'm your host, James Kukios, co-head of MoFo's Securities Litigation, Enforcement, and White Collar Practice Group. I'm pleased to be speaking today with Julie O'Neill and Alex Iftemi. Julie is a former Federal Trade Commission staff attorney who counsels clients on compliance with privacy and other consumer protection laws. Alex held multiple senior positions at DOJ, including counselor to the Attorney General and serving in the leadership of the National Security Division and now advises clients on sensitive cyber and U.S. national security matters, including advising Fortune 500 and high-growth clients on breach preparedness and response. So Alex, before we get into your predictions for the future, let's talk about the last four years. What were the cybersecurity and privacy enforcement priorities and trends during the Trump administration? Thanks, James, and uh, it's it's good to be with you. There's been a lot to to point to in in terms of cybersecurity in the Trump administration, and uh, and, and the Trump administration has, has presided over some big changes. One of those, and, and perhaps most notable, is is the 2018 creation of the Cybersecurity and, and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, which replaced the National Protection and Programs Directorate of of the Department of Homeland Security, which doesn't roll off the tongue quite as uh, as easily. And CISA has, has, has really established itself as a clearinghouse for, for information sharing with the private sector and is playing a big role in, in boosting state and, and local election security. CISA has, has established itself as a, as a clearinghouse for information sharing with the private sector. And moreover, and, and notwithstanding the very legitimate criticism that, that the president and, and the White House has undermined confidence in our elections, uh, interestingly, some of these changes have gone a long way to, uh, to boost our state and local election security. And the creation of CISA and its, its focus on election security um, has, uh, has, has been a big change. They've also continued the policy that was started in the Obama administration to bring criminal charges and use other tools to publicly call out threat actors uh, and impose consequences. The Department of Justice, for example, came out with a a number of reports from their cyber digital task force. And uh, one of those reports in 2018 highlighted the, the department's policy of public exposure and attribution of foreign influence operations, uh, and emphasize that that can be an important means of countering the threat and, and rendering those operations uh, less effective. And they've also continued the practice of exposing state-sponsored economic espionage, uh, particularly by state-sponsored actors uh, and, and China in particular. And the Trump administration has also done things more recently, for example, like signing legislation that, that made it a federal crime to, to attempt to hack federal voting systems. And, uh, and they've given the U.S. Cyber Command uh, a lot more latitude in terms of targeting authority. And, and that has reportedly allowed Cyber Command to conduct more operations and, and to expand the tools that the government has to, to respond to and, uh, and deter activities in, in cyberspace. 
So I'll, I'll speak a little bit about priorities under the Trump administration at the Federal Trade Commission, which is the primary enforcer at the federal level of privacy laws in the U.S. And even though we generally think of Republican administrations as taking a softer approach on enforcement in consumer protection and including privacy and data security issues, the FTC under the Trump administration didn't shy away from bringing privacy and data security actions. For example, it announced the highest ever fine against YouTube for alleged violations of the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. It was a fine of $136 million. So a real record setter from the FTC's perspective. Um, but, it, but it did more than that and, and reached a number of really significant settlements with various companies that had experienced breaches of personal data, um, requiring them in all cases to implement robust data security programs that are subject to ongoing monitoring and reporting. In addition, the FTC under President Trump initiated a rulemaking under the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act to consider whether the act should be revised to better address interactive media and other tech developments. So clearly, even though we may have thought a Republican administration would see a slowdown in activity, it's clearly been thinking about its enforcement tools and how to adapt or fine-tune them. Thanks for that baseline. Julia, what are your predictions about cybersecurity and privacy enforcement priorities and trends under the new administration? So it's a great question. Commission leaders typically leave the FTC when a new party wins the White House. And consistent with that, rumor has it that the current Republican chairman, Joseph Simons, will be stepping down, which would give President-elect Biden the opportunity to appoint a new commissioner. And if he does that, that would create a three to two Democratic majority among the commissioners. And with that makeup of the commission, I 100% expect that privacy and data security will continue to be a top priority, but with some shifts in focus. Um, and specifically, if we read the tea leaves a little bit and look at what the current two Democratic commissioners have been doing and saying, they have consistently taken the position that even though, as I mentioned, um, the FTC under Trump has not been shy, those two Democratic commissioners think that the commission hasn't done enough, in particular, done enough to either punish violators or to protect consumers. So what that means is we could see the commission under a Biden administration move away from the types of sort of standard cookie cutter injunctive relief that it has historically sought when it enters into a consent order with a with a company and really try to push the FTC's authority as far as it can go. So by way of example, many, if not most, privacy and security matters are brought pursuant to Section 5 of the FTC Act, which is just a general prohibition on unfair and deceptive practices. Um, and Section 5 does not give the FTC authority to impose civil money penalties, gives the FTC authority only to impose equitable relief. And so in privacy and data security matters, there's often no form of monetary relief like consumer redress or disgorgement of ill-gotten gains like you might see in a false advertising or fraud or, or similar action. So we have seen hints from the Democratic commissioners that if they were sort of setting the tone and putting out a roadmap, they may try to rely on other sections of, of the FTC Act 
besides Section 5 to seek monetary relief in the right cases. There are cases where the FTC does have authority to seek civil money penalties, um, but that's that's in connection with rule violations, like a violation of the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act or, or the telemarketing sales rule. But again, I think that uh, under a Democrat uh, administration, we, we might see the commissioners getting a little more aggressive. I think, too, when it comes to settling or entering into orders, following up on a privacy or data security investigation, I think we would expect to see under a Biden administration a focus on what the commissioners consider to be more meaningful changes to an accountability for a company's business practices. And so, as I mentioned, historically, consent orders have had pretty cookie-cutter relief provisions, injunctive relief provisions that essentially require the offending company to comply with the law going forward, you know, maybe set up a program to help ensure that it does and comply with reporting obligations. And I think we'll see a Democratic commission getting a little more creative and trying to impose additional obligations that really affect how the defendant company does business, like an obligation to respond to consumer complaints or, depending on the facts, to release customers from you know, onerous long-term contracts or to notify consumers about the consent order and its provisions. But I, I think on top of all of that, perhaps one of the biggest changes we might see that might cause businesses to stand up and pay even more attention is the possibility of individual liability. And that's because over the past few years in its consumer protection mission, generally, the FTC has increasingly sought to hold the leadership of violating companies liable. And the two current Democratic commissioners have expressed interest in in doing the same thing and imposing individual liability as a remedy in privacy and data security enforcement actions as well. Picking up on on Julie's good comments, I think uh, in terms of cybersecurity policy and criminal enforcement uh, of, of cybersecurity laws, we'll see a lot more continuity than divergence between the Trump administration and, and the Biden administration. The Biden administration, I think, in, in particular, will, will continue a trend that, uh, that dates back to the Obama administration through the Trump administration to expose and uh, deter malicious cyber activity wherever it can. And, uh, and, and we'll continue to see criminal indictments. I think we'll continue to see sanctions enforcement, uh, the use of the entity list uh, and, and other tools of government to, to go after malicious cyber activity. In terms of things that the administration will have to handle right out of the gate, I, I would put the new requirements of the Defense Authorization Act at the top of the list. The Defense Authorization Act, uh, assuming it, uh, it, it is enacted, and, and every indication at this point is that even if the uh, even if President Trump sought to to veto the legislation, that Congress would be able to override that veto. Every indication is uh, is that we'll see that Defense Authorization Act enacted into law, and it contains a lot of different cybersecurity provisions and and ones that will fall to the Biden administration to to figure out how to implement. And for example, that bill will create 
among other things, a national cyber director in the White House. That is a Senate-confirmed position. This brings back uh, a more robust version of the cyber czar position that previously existed in the National Security Council and which was controversially uh, eliminated by the, the Trump administration a few years back. The NDAA also increases requirements, particularly for entities that are part of critical infrastructure. And on the CISA front, uh, this is, again, the agency within the Department of Homeland Security that's charged with, um, with, with cybersecurity. It will be given the power to issue administrative subpoenas to internet service providers when, when it detects that critical infrastructure security vulnerabilities exist within our uh, our infrastructure, but they can't track down who those actual owners are. So this will give them new tools to be able to try to identify where those vulnerabilities are and, and service providers are, are going to need to be ready to respond to that kind of legal process from a, a new entity. There are also a number of changes in the NDAA that are, that are less likely to be directly relevant to to the private sector. For example, the bill would grant authority to CISA to conduct threat hunting within the federal government networks. It, it creates a joint cyber planning office for, for strategic planning on how to respond to, to threats. And a number of other improvements that, that came out of the Solarium Commission and, and its recommendations. In fact, most of these changes that, that are in the NDAA are, are recommendations of of the Solarium Commission. And so these are, are issues that the Biden administration, I think, will, will have to, to deal with right out of the gate and are going to, in some ways, significantly change the way the uh, federal government is organized around cybersecurity and will change some of the uh, the centers of power, too, uh, within the administration for, for cybersecurity policy. Thanks for that. With those predictions of how cybersecurity and privacy will develop under the Biden administration. Uh, Alex, let's start with you and then go to Julie. What should companies do to prepare for enforcement in this space going forward? Sure. Uh, and and I'll, I'll broaden that out, James, just a bit beyond um, enforcement. I think companies will need to be ready for some of the policy changes that the Biden administration is going to be tackling in in the near term and thinking about the ways that these policy changes will impact the companies. And and I'll I'll highlight two key areas where where I see some changes. First is cross-border data transfers. These data transfers have been put into the spotlight by the European High Court's decision in uh, in Schrems II, which is the, the second Schrems decision that, that 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 came out of the European Court of Justice, and this is an area where, uh, because of the limitations that have been put on, uh, or because of the spotlight rather that's been put on U.S. surveillance practices by this um, decision, it's an area that that will require a political solution, and one that the Biden administration will. Um, will need to address, and it's an area where we expect a uh, a return to diplomacy and an, an effort to work with allies um, in in Europe to to find a solution to ensure that uh, commercial data transfers aren't um, aren't aren't hindered, and, uh, and and it's an area where companies so far have have had to struggle on on their own to come up with uh, workarounds to to highlight the various ways in which 
their systems are designed to avoid government surveillance. And, and so this is an area that, that I think companies need to be, first of all, they need to, to recognize uh, the, the need for compliance measures and, and, and second, to be on the lookout for what the Biden administration will be doing to, to try to help the, the private sector. Second is a need for companies to keep up with the times in, in terms of the evolution of, of cyber risks. It's no longer enough for companies to, uh, to say they have a, a cyber incident plan and, and, and for that to be uh, you know, a short document that, that hasn't been dusted off in, in a number of years. There's a need increasingly to have detailed and, and sophisticated plans that that are taking into account the new ways that that criminals are um, are getting into to companies' systems and, and the risks that they pose. For example, they need to think through how to handle ransomware attacks, um, and and that's very different from how to handle a credential stuffing attack against customer networks. And and speaking of ransomware attacks, this is also an, an evolving area where where companies will need to stay focused on on what the Treasury Department is doing and where sanctions law is going. And I expect that the new Biden administration will will further refine and, and think through how to balance the policy interests on the one hand and and the um, interests of of victim companies who uh, you know who are brought to a standstill often by these increase, increasingly effective ransomware attacks, and one interesting area around these these ransomware uh, attacks is the sanctions implications of of making a ransom payment to the ransomware actor. We've been advising a growing number of clients on Treasury's new ransomware advisory, which highlighted that paying ransoms could result in a, in a sanctions violation and essentially puts the onus on, on companies, the victim companies, and the ransomware response providers who, who help them to make sure they're, they're not paying a, a ransom. And this incre- creates increased liability and, um, and, and where the Treasury Department and, and the rest of the Biden administration goes is, is an area that will be very focused on and, and that, that companies should, um, should as well. In, in building on what Alex said, I agree that companies to avoid an FTC enforcement action should really make their privacy and security practices as much of a priority as we expect the FTC to do. And one step toward doing this, for example, is to build privacy and security considerations into every new or modified product or service, so-called privacy and security by design. Um, Privacy and security really needs to be built into the culture of the company um, and, and to really give that priority real legs, an organization's leadership has to support a focus on compliance. And we now expect that if they don't, it's really at their peril, given the specter of individual liability for violations. Thanks very much, Julie and Alex. This is the end of our Mo Forecast episode on enforcement and policy trends for cybersecurity and privacy in the upcoming Biden administration. Once again, I'm your host, James Kukios speaking with Julie O'Neill and Alex Iftemi. If you liked today's episode, please visit the MoFo website and join us for additional installments of the Mo Forecast series, covering predictions for enforcement and policy trends in other areas of the law. Thanks for joining us. Please make sure to subscribe to the MoFo Perspectives podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like more information on this topic, 
please visit mofo.com slash podcasts. Again, that's mofo, M-O-F-O dot com slash podcasts.